beginning the season of Advent tonight, and um, I my vision for this this series was uh, I changed the title. I didn't tell you what the new title was. It's it's called Sensing God, and um, I was just thinking about this season that we're in. And if you don't already know, Advent uh, it means coming, and it's this time where we recognize and acknowledge and celebrate the <clears throat> the coming of a Savior, that God himself has intervened on our behalf and he's brought salvation. He stepped down from his kingdom, his throne, and he brought that kingdom to earth through Jesus. In the form of a man, God showed up to us and he dwelled among us. Um, and that's, that's one part of this season that we're in, Advent. So we recognize and acknowledge and we celebrate that truth that God has stepped down and he's made himself known to us. He's, he's shown up and he's revealed who he is and what he's like through the person of Jesus Christ. Um, and at the same time, that's only one half of, of this narrative that we are engaging in and that we're um, acknowledging and celebrating. And the other half is that we wait for his return. God has come, and he's broken through, and he's revealed himself, and he's poured out his love. And at the same time, he is coming back again. And so we have yet to see the full culmination of everything that God wills and desires. We've yet to see the full culmination of his plan and purpose for our lives and for humanity and for this world that he's created. And as a result of that, we wait for his return. And we wait expectantly for God to make all things new. We wait in this time, this in-between, and we wait in the tension of that, of things that are still yet to be done, things that have not been repaired. Um, I'm reminded of this as we read last week um, Isaiah 61. I believe Isaiah 61 is the tension that we live in. We're often on the, um, the side of still seeing ashes instead of beauty. We're on the side often of seeing mourning instead of gladness. But yet God promises those things to come, and they come through his salvation. They come through his work that he has and is doing in our midst. And that that passage, Isaiah 61, is the announcement of a Savior coming. It is an announcement that has been fulfilled when Christ came and entered um, our world and broke through on our behalf and went to the cross um, and paid the penalty that we um, couldn't pay on our own for salvation, for healing, for wholeness. Are you with me? And it's that promise that because of his salvation, because of his sacrifice, that there will be repair, that there will be restoration, that there will be healing in this life and in the age to come. So that is Advent. All of that is mixed up in this giant pot, and that is, um, that is what God is doing. That's what we're in the middle of. Um, and uh, I, as I was dwelling on this season that we're in and the, the, the mystery and the miracle of it, um, I just felt like how amazing, I had this thought, how amazing is it that God himself, um, as infinite as he is, would step down into our midst. And not just step down into our midst, but express his love for us and reveal the depths of that love through every way that we could actually possibly experience him. 
Does that make sense? And so actually thinking about our senses, uh, taste, touch, smell, um, sight, and hearing. I almost said sound, and Maria reminded me, sound is not one of our senses. It's hearing that is the sense. I'm like, yeah, but sound is kind of important in that. But yes, you're right. It's hearing. Hearing is the sense. Um, ears to hear. We were given two ears and one mouth. Why? Because we're supposed to hear twice as much as we make noise. That's, somebody said that. Maybe your mom told you that. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, so I just thought, how amazing is it that God himself, not only did he make it so that we could experience and encounter his love through the totality of how he made us, at the same time that he's revealed his love through those same things. When God stepped down in the form of a man and he walked among us, he actually uh, not only made himself susceptible to the senses, but he revealed his love for us through those same ways. Sight, sound, taste, smell. What am I missing? Yeah, I said it. Hearing. Okay, I got it. (laughs) Touch. This is amazing to me. And so I want to actually dive into this Advent story through the lens of sensing God, encountering God through the senses, and how God himself has gone out of his way to reveal his love in ways that we can experience and understand and know, feel, see, hear, taste. We'll get there. Tonight I want to talk about hearing. I want to talk about the sense of hearing and how God, through this story that we're in the middle of, God has made himself known. He's made his voice known. He's made the sound of heaven known to us. He's made it possible that we could hear his voice. Um, We're going to look at this through the lens of John the Baptist. And before we get to the story of John the Baptist, it's, it's kind of important that we, um, we note the backstory of John the Baptist's life and the time that he entered into. Um, I want to say this first, that uh, hearing is crucial to faith, which is what Luke was talking about earlier. Actually, hear, uh, faith does not come apart from hearing. Actually, we're told that in Romans 10. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so actually this thing, and it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so it takes hearing in order to have faith. And faith is what allows us to have relationship, right standing with God. So hearing is vital to our ability to know God, and it's vital to his plan for us to know him. So I want to talk about hearing tonight. And I want to talk about hearing um, the words that God spoke when John the Baptist came on the scene. And John the Baptist was a preparer. He was a prophet and he was a preparer. And he came to prepare the way for what God was going to do through the Son. It's interesting that we're talking about hearing and we're told that Jesus is what? The Word. It's not just about hearing, but it's about hearing the word. It's about hearing who God is, who he's revealed himself to be through the Son. 
In the Old Testament, hearing came primarily through the prophets. And I don't have time or the capability, to be honest, to go through that. Hallelujah. But what I want to say is that in the Old Testament, God spoke primarily through these uh, people that he had appointed to be his mouthpiece. He was very interested. He's been very interested from the beginning with communication and with us hearing from him and in hearing him, hearing his heart for us. And, and so the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the prophets, all of this was about actually relationship. God was, has been about relationship from the beginning. And so he appointed and called these men to speak on his behalf, to be his mouthpiece to his people for the sake of relationship, for the sake of them knowing his heart. So, you know, a lot of those um, Old Testament books and, and people that we, we aren't often really thrilled about reading, they were vital to the relationship that God wanted to have with his people. And so you have this series of prophets whom God appoints and, and uses in order to communicate with the people so that they would hear him in, in hearing his voice, hear his heart. Um, and then we get to uh, the New Testament, okay? Fast forward, all right? But um, before we can jump into this Advent narrative that begins in each of the Gospels at the beginning, um, of the New Testament, it's really important that we realize that the, the, the gap in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, I'm looking at my Bible, and I'm looking at the gap between the Old and the New Testament. It's one page. I don't know how big the gap is in your Bible between the Old and the New Testament. It's probably one page. Is it? Do you have a page that says New Testament? One screen. <laughs> All right, I get it. Oh, I get it. Okay, one screen, yes. <laughs> For those of you following along on your phone. I hope that's what you're doing on your phone, following along. Yes. Mine's two pages, actually. Okay, so front and back. New Testament, one blank page, Matthew 1. What am I getting at? That, that, that gap is a little bigger than one page. It's actually 400 years. They were known as the years of silence. Aren't you glad you weren't alive in the years of silence? I mean, we had quite the possibility, 400 of them, that we could have been born in the years of silence. Why were they called the years of silence? Because in that 400 years, from Malachi to Matthew, there was not a voice from God appointed to speak to the people. Hummer. Tough time to be alive. Are you with me? What happened during that time? There's, there's, there's two things that I want to point out that happened during that time that are significant to the context of the story that rises up. God breaking through to bring what he's promised to bring from the beginning. Two things. The first is there was a lot of war. I was reading about this this morning, and I'm sure Jeff 
could do a great job of telling us about it. If I gave you that information, maybe we'll do that at some point. You can give us the history of the 400 years of silence. But it's just war after war, people taking over people. And in the middle of that, God's people, his nation, they did not fare too well. They were in captivity a bunch. The things that God gave them to maintain and to take care of, uh, the temple and the sacraments, all these things, uh, it was not looking good. Because often when they uh, became, um, when their people were occupied, the things that God told them to take care of fell into disrepair. At one point it was so bad that actually the, the, the nation that was occupying God's people, they just trashed it completely as basically to say, this is what we think about your God. Can you imagine the grieving and the mourning? It was not a good time. It was not a good time to be alive if you were part of the chosen people of God. So you have war, and you have this continual um, place of people overtaking God's people. In the middle of that, you also have a group of people that rises up to say, you know what, we're going to hope fast. Uh, we're going to stick to what God says. We're going to try our best to maintain right standing with him, right relationship with him. There's actually two groups of people that rise up from the Jewish nation in this time, and they were kind of at odds with each other. There was a group of people that said, um, you know what, maybe we just need to assimilate. Maybe we need to actually um, look more like the cultures around us, and they really liked the Greek culture that was connected to them, and so they were called the Hellenists. Um, in your Bibles, they're called the Sadducees, and the Sadducees um, rise up and they say, we're going to adopt some of the, the cultures around us so that maybe we just don't look so different, and in that, they, they kind of let go of a lot of the supernatural things that God had done and promised to continue to do, and at the same time, you had another group rise up called the Pharisees, and the Pharisees, we, we hear a lot about them in the New Testament, but they didn't start there. They started in this 400 years of silence. And they said, we're going we're gonna to continue to go after the things of God. They were, they were set on maintaining and holding fast to the history and the lineage and the things that God had said and done before. Which sounds good, doesn't it? And we don't normally think of the Pharisees as being noble people of noble pursuit, do we? And I wonder, why is that? And I have a theory. I think the theory that I have is that when you try to speak on God's behalf when he's not speaking, you might end up misquoting him. And I think that's what ended up happening for the Pharisees. I imagine it didn't happen all at once, but over time, they said, you know, we're going to hold to this, we're going to hold fast. And they began to take the things that God said and add to them and add to them and add to them, when then eventually it looked nothing like, sounded nothing like the Word of God, looked nothing like the heart of God. And in Jesus, when he comes, we, we know that's, that's what he rebukes them for. Knowing all the right things, but being far from the one who said them to begin with. So we're in this time of silence. And um, when I think about silence, when I think about sound, when we think about hearing, there's this idea of hearing, and God has spoken, and He spoke through all these people throughout time, but then there's this gap of silence. There's this space of time where not only is God not speaking, but there's all kinds of other noise coming through. Noise of the Pharisees, 
noise of the Sadducees, noise of the occupying parties saying, your God isn't even there. He doesn't even care. So there's silence and there's noise. And in the middle of that, I believe the sound of God, the sound of his salvation, it was on the horizon. It was coming. I want to show a video real quick and then um, tie this together. Um, I want to show this video because I think um, when it comes to hearing in general, but particularly hearing this good news that we've received, hearing the story of this season, I believe we've, we've become so familiar with it that we've lost the significance and the power of, of hearing, like the potency of hearing. Like, do you remember the first time you heard who God was and who you are to him? Do you remember that? Do you remember the potency of that moment? Do you remember the joy of that moment? Is it possible that God could take us back to that? I believe so. I want to. I want us to see this video real quick, and um, I'm not going to say much about it except that it's uh, cochlear ear implants, um, which allow people to hear who couldn't. Let's see it. sound. That's what it says. (laughs) Wow. Have you guys seen that before? Should I have brought some Kleenex for you? (laughs) 
Maybe that gives us a little idea of what it was like when these words came. The words that God had spoke previously, but that had been silent for such a long time. In Luke's Gospel, we're told about a man named John the Baptist, and this is what it was said about him. In Luke 1, an angel comes to his father, Zechariah, and he says this to him. He says, do not be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The angel comes to Zechariah and he makes this announcement that um, they will have a child. And he's not going to be just any child. He's going to be the one that the prophet Isaiah said would come. And coincidentally, he says he is the one that is coming to fulfill the promise that was the very last word that you heard from God. Malachi. Malachi, at the end of Malachi, the promise is that there would be one in the spirit and power of Elisha to turn back the hearts of fathers to the children and children to the fathers. That's the very last word that was given to the people of God. And here it's as if God is saying, I have not forgotten my promise. Hear me. There is a sound that is breaking through, and it's the sound of salvation. It's the sound of my work, my love, my reconciliation continuing, breaking through in the middle of the silence. Wow. Do you get the potency of this moment? It's a moment worth rejoicing. It's a moment worth weeping, actually, and and just elation. It's a moment full of expectation. It's the promise of God continuing. It's the word of God continuing. It's the salvation of God continuing. And so he says, I'm raising up this person. I'm raising up this man to be a prophet. Those had to be, that that word had to be a sound for sore ears. There's another prophet. And you haven't had one in a while. But there's a prophet here. Your son will be that prophet. And he is coming with a message. It's the sound of God to bring salvation. Yeah. 
This is the story that we get to be a part of. This is the story of God not forgetting, not remaining silent. That's who he is. And so we see John. He's raised up, and I love this part um, that continues. Is Zechariah, when he finally gets to a place, John is born, and coincidentally, Zechariah had to be in timeout for a little bit. Um, God said, I want you to be quiet. I don't want you to say anything. I want you to listen. And then eventually, John comes, and the Lord opens Zechariah's mouth, and he he sings this song. He, he actually speaks this prophetic word, and part of it is for John. And he says this at the end of Luke 1. He says, You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those who's live on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace that was the word for John's life and that was the message that he preached he preached the message of preparing the way preparing the way for what God was going to do. The sound that came from John's life, it wasn't a sound of judgment. It wasn't a sound of political correctness. It wasn't a sound of of, um, defeat. It wasn't a sound of settling for, for what had been around them, what had persisted for the longest of time. It was instead a sound of the salvation that was coming. And a call to get ready, to prepare, prepare hearts. I was thinking about John's life and, and wondering what, what was it? What was it about John's life that he was able to uh, speak the sound of God's salvation, that he was able to uh, connect with God's plan for humanity? And obviously God picked him for that purpose so we could say that, but I think there was something about it where he knew the heart of God. He knew what God's plan and purpose was, and that's why none of those other things were spoken from his mouth. He knew that God um, was coming to bring salvation. He knew that God was coming to continue the very purpose that he had promised. He knew that God had mercy in his heart for humanity, and that's the sound that he came with. He called people to listen. And hear, and in hearing to know and receive. This uh, this season that we're in, I think we need God to do a work of giving us fresh ears, fresh ears to hear. To hear his heart. To hear his word. To hear his salvation. That's here, that's ready, that's available. 
to hear again the words that he spoke to us in the beginning when we said yes to him. And to hear those words that are still persisting for the people and places and the brokenness around us. See, I, I think our world is, is pretty similar to the one that this message broke through in. And that's not to say God hasn't done anything since then. But it's to say that our, our world, this city, the people around us, they're ready, they're ripe for this message. They need this. They need to hear what God is saying. They need to know what his heart is for them. And so we have the privilege in this season <clears throat> to live in the tension of rejoicing. I want to give you permission to rejoice in this season. I want to give you permission to have joy in this season. I want to, I want to give you permission to rediscover the joy of, of his salvation in this season, okay? You have permission to celebrate in this season. Are you with me? Just do this. If you, if you hear what I'm saying, just smile for a second, okay? Because you guys are, are you, you're looking like I'm saying something completely different. <laughs> Good. Okay. Let's just sit in that for a second. I was wondering what, I had this question, how do we have the sound of, of salvation on our lips in this season? And how do we carry the heart of God with us? How do we walk with a similar purpose and mission that John the Baptist had when he came? I think the first is actually in just celebrating what we've received. Rejoicing in what we have. Rejoicing that our ears have been open. Amen? All right, so let's do that, okay? <laughs> don't miss that first part. There's the second part, but don't miss the first part. Because I believe our rejoicing in this season, our joy in this season, I'm talking about genuine joy, genuine praise, genuine love, it will go noticed. It will be heard. The world doesn't need us to just lower ourselves to their level and adopt the same feelings and mindsets. And I'm not saying we don't need to come alongside and feel what people are feeling. But we need, the world needs the joy and the freedom and the love of God, the peace of God. And if you have it, Live it, okay? Sing it. Praise him. Let this time be one of rediscovering the joy of his salvation in your life. It will make a difference for the people around you. It will make a difference when you go out. It will make a difference in the noise. I, I guarantee you the sound of salvation will come through as you sing a song of praise. As your life is full of thanksgiving, full of joy, full of love. Are you with me? Am I losing you guys? Okay, a few of you. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to wrap up. <clears throat>